we feel it's just the beginning of this huge transformation of this concept of high-impact entrepreneurs to put Brazil in the global innovation map. This is something that we want and that we feel now is totally possible. Welcome to The J-Curve, a podcast about tech ecosystem builders in Latin America with me, Olga Maslikova. My goal with The J-Curve is to make the stories of LATAM founders and funders accessible for global community. Every other week, I interview spectacular entrepreneurs and investors who share their most valuable lessons of building, growing, and funding some of the most successful tech companies in Latin America. My guest today is Camila Junqueira, Managing Director at Endeavor Brazil. Endeavor is the leading global community of high-impact entrepreneurs, which is present in over 40 markets. Endeavor has a huge operations in Brazil and has been one of the mission-critical organizations for continuous success of Brazilian entrepreneurial ecosystem growth. The list of Endeavor entrepreneurs is truly spectacular and includes the founders of companies like Happy, Hotmart, Creditas, Kavak, Covi, Madeira Madeira, Mercado Libre, Loft, and many more. If you liked today's conversation, please rate us on Spotify and Apple. But now let's dive right in. Camila, it's a pleasure to have you as my guest. Welcome to the J Curve. Thank you so much, Olga. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you for being with me today. And I would love to start a little bit on you. So tell me, how did you make your way into the entrepreneurial ecosystem in Brazil and come to become a managing partner at Endeavor Brazil? Yeah, it was totally not in my plan. I majored in communications. I am a communication person, naturally. So I worked in advertisement agencies for some years. I was not happy. It didn't have a meaning for me. So I was searching for meaning, actually searching for a way to create a huge impact in the world. I'm really ambitious about impact, not about money. I ended up uh, living in India for quite a while and I could do a whole podcast on that. So I'm just going to put this aside, but it was a transformational experience for me. I heard about business of impact. And then when I came back to Brazil, I went to learn more about this. And there was nothing about impact businesses. This was 2010, maybe 2011. That was the time when the word impact was not popular, even in the United States. Exactly. So I went to get to know people that were working with that. And someone introduced me to Endeavor. Endeavor was not about impact businesses, but they were doing a project on that. And I'm like, okay, I don't know Endeavor. I don't know what they do but I want to work in this project. And I became the project manager to select entrepreneurs that were working with the base of the pyramid. So that's how I entered Endeavor and how I managed to, to become managing director. Well, this is a whole another chapter, but it's been 10 years that I am at Endeavor and five as managing director. So it was five years working with the brand, uh, making Endeavor more popular. When I started at Endeavor, I was totally awed by how amazing the organization was and how little people knew about Endeavor. So, you know, having this background in communication, it was clear that I needed to work with a brand 
that's what I did for many years before becoming managing director. So let's dive there a little bit. When you look at your first five years, half a decade in the endeavor, what were the main decisions or the main actions that you took that made Endeavor Brazil what it is today and what led to you essentially taking the management position in this organization, which is so important in Brazil and Latin America? Yeah, it's still a shock. <laughs> Five years in, I'm still shocked I'm managing director at Endeavor because it is a lot. When I arrived at Endeavor, it was already like 10 years in. So lots of things had already been built and brand was something that was important since the beginning. So Marília, the first entrepreneur that started Endeavor in Brazil, the big entrepreneur is Linda, right? But Marília started Endeavor in Brazil and she was already recording the talks about entrepreneurs. So this was 2000. There was no digital. There was no internet almost. The website, if you look at it, 20 years ago, it's a great experience to see how the ecosystem has changed and how the technologies evolved. But she was already doing that. She was already creating digital content in the first years of Endeavor. And what we did was build on that and develop a more structured digital strategy. This led to Endeavor having 7 million unique visitors in the website. This was huge. And this made Endeavor brand more popular, more accessible, and also PR strategies, events. So day one, kind of a TED talk for entrepreneurs. So in 20 minutes, they tell the story in a really moving way, emanating the hero's journey. We do a script with them. We train them. We create a narrative. Some entrepreneurs say they never train for any talk, but for day one, they train. And we had millions of unique visitors watching day one and it became really popular and you can watch on YouTube. So today we have maybe 60 stories of amazing Brazilian entrepreneurs there. So let's talk a little bit about Endeavor because Endeavor is very well known in Brazil and it's a little bit less known in the United States and then in the Western world. So tell me, what exactly is Endeavor and how did it grow into this massive globally distributed organization over the last 25 years? Yeah. So Endeavor is the leading global community of by and for high impact entrepreneurs. High impact entrepreneurs are the ones that dream bigger, scale faster and pay it forward. So this is Linda's dream since the beginning, before the bubble in the U.S. pop. The ecosystem was booming. Everything was happening in Silicon Valley. And then Linda came to Latin America. I believe it was Argentina. And she found like nothing, a totally non-existing entrepreneurial ecosystem. And she saw the opportunity. Like, how come you are talking about businessmen as the soap opera villain? This is an expression we have in Brazil. It's just like all the businessmen was always the villains in our soap operas. They were always the bad guys, the ones that hurt people. And she wanted to change that. And she realized we needed first to build a network of trust, to build a strong network of people, the ones that thrived in this terrible ecosystem that could support the next generation as role models and also as mentors and also as investors to believe in the idea of entrepreneurs from startups 
and help them try. And it worked pretty well in Latin America. And then Linda started to expand to other countries that needed this entrepreneurial boost, such as Italy, Spain, and then Japan, and then lots of countries in Africa and now Asia. We just launched Endeavor in Pakistan. Today, Endeavor is in 40 markets. So one of our biggest differentiators and biggest support system for entrepreneurs that become Endeavor entrepreneurs is the global network and the ability to find global peers. And when you think about the first days of Endeavor and maybe first days, early days of Endeavor Brazil, what was the motivation of those people who were perceived as villains to join and to start dedicating their time? And the time is probably their most valuable resource towards supporting the next generation and expanding the network. The motivation for everybody in the early days and still today to join Endeavor is giving back. Now, fortunately, we're not talking about dozens. We are talking about hundreds and thousands and hundreds of thousands. So the thing is growing really fast, exponentially, actually. And this is even more exciting about the digital entrepreneurs that want to create an exponential impact. Totally. And I remember when we chatted before the recording, you mentioned how much the profile of the entrepreneur evolved over the course of this 10 years and, you know, overall, I think over the course of the lifetime of Endeavor. So let's touch a little bit on that. 10 years ago, when you just joined, what were the people that Endeavor engaged in their network and how this profile evolved? Yeah, so everything changed and it's a little bit about what we did, but also about the whole ecosystem transformation, the digital revolution that happened in the last probably decade, especially in Brazil. There are millions of Brazilians that join the internet and has access to smartphones and the ability to purchase online. And this changed a lot about the platforms that were available for entrepreneurs to create a business and also the ability to scale faster. So the profile for entrepreneurs in the early days, they were totally non-digital entrepreneurs. They were these roots entrepreneurs, amazing ones with lots of energy, with uh, lots of capabilities, of course, but with less knowledge. And then 10 years in, we now see these amazing, sophisticated entrepreneurs and third time, fourth time entrepreneurs. So they know lots of things about creating a business. Our goals for Endeavor 10 years ago was to maybe have one entrepreneur doing an IPO in Brazil, not in the US, or one entrepreneur that would have a one billion company. But this was so far away from our reality. And now half of the unicorns in Brazil are Endeavor entrepreneurs. We have a dozen that IPO'd in NASDAQ, in New York Exchange, in Brazil. We have these amazing, uh, sophisticated entrepreneurs. But the most important part is that we have so much to do because now that they're here and they are Endeavor entrepreneurs and they want to give back, imagine what we can do to really transform the ecosystem for the next generations. We feel 
it's just the beginning of this huge transformation of this concept of high-impact entrepreneurs to put Brazil in the global innovation map. This is something that we want and that we feel now is totally possible. And we already have this amazing examples of entrepreneurs that were born in Brazil and now are global. One of them is in our Brazilian board, Cesar Carvalho from GenPass, for example. He's already a reference as a global entrepreneur. I want to dig a little bit into your relationships and building relationships with entrepreneurial community. And I want to start with the selection process. So I imagine in the early day, there was a very scarce resource of founders, and it was more you trying to understand who is willing to engage and who is willing to dedicate time. But now Endeavor is just such a brand and the most impactful, most reputable founders are part of the network. So I imagine a lot of people want to be part of this network. How does the selection process look like? What are you looking for in the entrepreneur? And how do these relationships start? Yeah, so the first thing we did when we realized we had a bigger number of companies to couch is to create the scale-up program as our big funnel to select Endeavor Entrepreneurs. This was the beginning of the whole digital revolution I was mentioning before. So the first tech entrepreneurs were selected as small startups in the early days of the scale-up program. One example is Sergio Furio from Creditas. Before it was named Creditas, actually, when it was Bank Facio, uh, he was already in the scale-up program. One of the first ones, the idea was to bet in a bigger number of companies because since the early days till today, we only select maybe 10 companies as Endeavor Entrepreneurs per year. So it's harder than Harvard, we say, to enter Endeavor. Today, we're accelerating hundreds of companies per year, and we encourage every entrepreneur in Brazil to be part of the selection process, to join Skiller program, because this is the best way to become Endeavor Entrepreneurs today in Brazil. Let's describe the high-level process, because a lot of founders, they see all these big names of people who already made it, and they just like, I'm not there quite yet. Perfect. So the criteria is the same for the skiller program or to become Endeavor Entrepreneurs. We'll look at three main factors. One is the company, the differentiators, the size of the market, the team, the potential to grow 10x in the future. So this is one of the criteria. The other one is the entrepreneur the ability of this entrepreneur to lead this change, this growth, the ability to select a great team and build a strong narrative. And also we look at evidences of giving back. We want someone that wants to give back to the ecosystem. So it doesn't matter how great you are as a leader, as an entrepreneur, if you're only looking to uh, generate impact in your company, then you're not right for Endeavor. And we already let some really good companies go because Entrepreneur was not interested in really being part of this community and giving back. So this is important. And lastly is the timing. Endeavor select Caleb's. So if you're still trying to find your product market fit, then Endeavor really can't help that much because we're not even specialists. 
in helping a startup becoming scalable. The most important thing we endeavor does is connection. Connection between peers, connection between mentors and entrepreneurs, connection between a fund and an entrepreneur. But how does that look in terms of numbers? Just to better understand the conversion. So in Brazil, since we are a big operation, we can look at thousands of companies. We have a number of 4,000 companies we, we look each year. We actually talk to maybe 1,000, at least a first conversation, and then maybe 500 will go through our process and only 200 will join Killer Program and then only 40 will go through our well, late stage selection process and only 10 will become Endeavor Entrepreneurs per year. So it's more or less like this. I spoke with so many people who are either Endeavor Entrepreneurs or mentors for Endeavor Scale Up and they're really proud to be part of the network. So what are some of the things that make Endeavor so good at building the community? And what are some of the applicable things that founders can learn from Endeavor's approach towards building the community? Yeah, so the most important part of our brand, of our reputation, is our selection process. And it's really subjective, but we involve the community to select the next generation. We want the community to decide who has the right fit to join this community of peers. So you need to be part of the process. You need to mentor. You need to give your time to make this community as strong as it deserves to be. And you're the one telling me if I should move this entrepreneur, this company through the process. This is a way to engage the community that's really special about our model. So I'll ask you following questions on that because it's just such a big parallel between the venture capital process of selecting founders and Endeavor process of selecting entrepreneurs. So when you think about the three ultimate traits that hyper-successful founders in Endeavor community have in common, what are those for you? It depends on what we look at successful. Well, define success, like, like right? what that yeah. means from the Endeavor perspective. <laughs> yeah, so for us, successful are the ones that balance between scaling up and giving back. The ones that not only manage to create this amazing company, but also really have the time to give back to the community and find this really important to help building the whole ecosystem. The ones that are always hungry, always believing they can grow more, do better, generate impact with more people. Nenhum obstáculo é grande o bastante se o sonho é maior. No obstacle is big enough if your dream is bigger. That's the hunger spirit. So this is one trait, and this is a really important one. And then being optimist is important because especially nowadays, like we are in a difficult market and if you're not optimistic it's hard to get out of the bed sometimes some of our most amazing entrepreneurs got in the situation of having run away for two weeks or maybe one week and they were there and they were believing and they got it and they managed to earn more time and creating this amazing company so it's really hard to create a high growth business it's not for everyone so we need to know if it's for you and you need to 
be hungry and be really optimistic. And you need to believe in our ideas so bad. This is something you need to feel in the skin. And then impact. I think those are incredible traits. And I think they again correlate with venture-backed business. Maybe that's the reason why you have so many venture-backed businesses. Yeah. <laughs> because rich capitalists are looking for similar things like big believers. I still remember the first speech of Brian Chesky about Airbnb in Stanford and their fundraising that lasted for three years because nobody believed in what they were building. <laughs> and then you just like, look, I travel to Brazil. All I do stays in their Airbnb hotels. They don't really exist for me anymore. To me, it's like a vivid example of how much belief you need to have in your ability. And then impacts components, I think it's essentially what makes Endeavor community so special. What's next for Endeavor? How do you see Endeavor's role evolving in the next decades? How are you going to stay relevant and continue your growth path? Yeah, I was just thinking about your last comment. And Linda has this book that's crazy as a compliment, right? So that's the thing. Like you're seeing the future before everyone else. And then everybody will call you crazy. Linda has another quote. If you're not being called crazy, you're not dreaming big enough. It's actually a really good test. I think I spoke about that with Francisco Jardim from SP Ventures. When you test drive your idea on someone and it gets lukewarm reaction, that means that your idea not even remotely good enough. But if it gets an extreme feedback, either extremely positive or extremely negative, that means you're onto something. It doesn't mean that you're right, but it means that you are on the right path. And I think, as he said, you want your borscht either too hot or too cold. You don't want it to be perfectly warm. Yeah, definitely. Going back to my question about what the yeah. future holds for Endeavor and how are you going to evolve in the next decade? So what's next for Endeavor? We are in this moment of the ecosystem that we already have a few global role models, but we are ready to have like 100 to really put Brazil in this innovation map as a reference. And we as Endeavor are in a really great position to do that since we are a global community. This is one thing. The other thing, we need to bring others that didn't have the chance earlier to be role models too. We launched two years ago a report about gender diversity focused specifically on female founders. And we discovered less than 5% of Brazilian startups have a woman on the founding team. As a CEO, it's much less. So it's still like a really white, male-dominant community. And we need to change that. And we are in a good position to do that. I heard a quote many years ago that resonated with me. Quando a desigualdade está posta, a neutralidade discrimina. And the translation for that is when inequality is already established, neutrality discriminates. So since I became managing director and we were already established brand with amazing founders in the community, I saw the opportunity to start working with diversity. This is already an important part of Endeavor strategy in Brazil. Having black founders and female founders in our portfolio, but also having female mentors black mentors to really transform our whole community of 
mentors, ambassadors, entrepreneurs, our team, and be really a diverse community because that's the only way to change the ecosystem. There is also a global goal that we're helping to build here in Brazil. Linda has this amazing goal of becoming the first self-sustainable uh, nonprofit organization in the world. So it's a really ambitious goal. Tell me more about have, that. This is yeah, an ambitious goal. <laughs> Dreaming big, right? She's the one, she needs to be called crazy as well. So we have the funds, the Endeavor Catalyst, and now the Catalyst early in Brazil, that's called Scale of Ventures, to invest in entrepreneurs and the returns of the funds go to the investors, but also a part of these returns goes to Endeavor. So this is a really nice way to not only impact the ecosystem, but also impact Endeavor and make Endeavor self-sustainable. So we have this global fund for 10 years, and it's already a, one of the top three funds in numbers of unicorns outside US and China, along with Sequoia. The position of Endeavor Capital is already a really relevant position in the world. But also, we are starting the local fund in Brazil for scale-ups from the scale-up program. And we are already finalizing the fundraising for the fund too. We already invested in more than 50 companies from the scale-up program. So lots of good things to come in this sense. And I believe this goal is ambitious, but it's totally possible to achieve. Yes, it sounds ambitious, but it's also so important, especially given where we are in the market cycle, showing that Endeavor is leading by example and continuing to invest, continuing to diversify, continuing to push ambitions of the founders further. It's such a great sign for the market. Cheers to this incredible goals. And now I would love to move to the rapid fire. I'll ask you five short questions and I'll appreciate your immediate responses. Let's dive right in. The first question is, what one book or piece of content every founder should read and why? Okay. So one book that's really important in our trajectory as Endeavor and the way we tell the story for the entrepreneurs is Outliers from Malcolm Gladwell. I don't know if you heard, it's not a really... Uh, of course I have. I've read Outliers. I have it on my bookshelf. Totally. Why? Because he introduced the concept of 10,000 hours. The whole idea of success is not a straight line. You need to put lots of practice into work. And I really believe Malcolm Gladwell is this amazing storyteller. Every book he wrote is this amazing narrative. And I recommend all of them for the founders. <laughs> I totally agree. When you think about legendary founders in Brazil, in Latin America, who's the first person that comes to mind? Oh my God, such a hard question. <laughs> you know, I think legendary is a strong word, but I believe we have a few really strong role models that need to be quoted. And I'll start with a woman because, you know, Example, yeah, let's go for it. <laughs> so Luisa Elena Trajano is the, the woman in Brazil, like the big reference. She started as a simple family in the countryside and she built one of the biggest companies in Brazil. But more than that, she is working hard to reduce inequality in Brazil, especially gender inequality. 
Is it Magazine Louise? Yeah, Magazine Louise. Yeah, she's the one that started Magalu. She's the legendary one. But I want to quote a few others because... Let's let's go for it. So, Pedro Passons and his partners, Luis Abra and Guilherme Leal from Natura, they were talking about ESG before the concept even existed. They are totally pioneers in sustainability. They are thinking about transforming the Amazon communities, putting Brazilian biodiversity in evidence. They became the world's largest public listed company to achieve B Corp status in the world in 2014. So they need to be quoted here because they are amazing. And Natura is actually a really global brand. Talking about global businesses from Brazil. Yeah, Pedro was in the board of Never for many years, maybe 10 years, just like this year. He was the one that was talking about Brazilian companies becoming international much before anyone else. Like everybody was saying to the entrepreneurs, no, Brazil is such a big market. You don't need to worry about becoming global, but global brands will come to take our market. So we need to create a global brand from the beginning. So he was already thinking about that in the early days. But now I need to quote some tech entrepreneurs because, you know, they are the next generation and they are already legendary. So from the tech world, of course, David Vélez and Sergio Furio, and I'll say both of them because they were defying the giant and making a difference in a really concentrated markets, breaking banking monopolies and having the guts to do that and be able to achieve that. It's not for everyone, but also I'm quoting that because Davi and Sergio are really involved in giving back. Davi just signed the giving pledge and created this amazing foundation to be a huge philanthropist and changing the reality in the Brazilian ecosystem. And Sergio Yesterday, someone told me Sergio donated, just for endeavor, 600 hours in three years as mentor. 600 hours. This guy, he really has the giving back spirit. He's in our board. He's amazing. And uh, just to quote one more woman, Mariana Diaz and her partner, Bruna Guimarães from Guppy. So to take the courage to build this amazing startup in a really sexist environment and succeed and create a really impactful company, but finding the time to value their personal life. They believe in balancing life and work. And it's really tough to find entrepreneurs that show this as an example. But most importantly, just now they were brave enough to tell the world they are a couple. And this is such a strong message. They are just so inspirational. They're very inspirational. I'm following Mariana on Instagram and I saw the announcement that they made. I think they made that while traveling in Europe. And it's like, this is incredible. Like when you are so confident and so contrarian to what is perceived as status quo. Well, first of all, it deserves so much respect. But second of all, it generates so much needed example of bravery, especially for people who are underrepresented in virtually any tech-related industry. And actually, she's not only being an example, but she's working on that as well in Guppy and just changing the whole algorithm to be more inclusive. So they're doing that, selecting people for the startups. They have this whole diversity plan and she only invests in women. 
How did becoming a mother impact your mindset as an operator? To me, it's a very personal question because I'm also a mother. I have three daughters and I literally feel how differently I operate, but I would love to learn how your process changed. I want to learn more about you because I need mentors as mothers. It changed everything. First of all, priorities. So nothing is that important once you're a mother. Like everything is solvable. You solve in a much more focused and pragmatic and way. Yeah. So it's less emotional. I'm a really passionate person. And I am passionate about everything I do. And work was this huge priority in my life. So having this balance really helped me to become passionate, but in a more balanced way. And also one important thing is that everything I do now, I want to be this great role model. I already felt that, but now having a daughter, I want her to be proud of me to understand what I do and why I do it. Totally. What was the last time you've changed your mind about something important? So I changed my mind a lot. And one of the most important change was the whole concept of motherhood <laughs> and work. It seemed easier when you are not a mother. And it reminds me of Sheryl Sandberg's book, Lean In. I read this book a few times. The beginning of the book, it's her telling the story about when she was eight months pregnant and she had to walk through this huge parking lot to the office. And she arrived telling Mark that everything needed to change. They needed dedicated parking slots for pregnant women. And he, he was like, yeah, you're right. And she was like, oh my God, so many women got pregnant, had their children before me and they didn't have the courage to ask me that and it was so easy like look at this huge responsibility I have as a leader and as a mother to change things for others so this was a really wake-up call for me but only motherhood only experience really changes your perspective and it's sad to say that but actually becoming a mother made me a better leader for other women so I think this is one big, big change I had. The last question would be, it's my favorite question, actually. If you yes. were a alcoholic <laughs> beverage, which beverage would you be and why? Oh, my God. It's hard not to choose a drink that you like, but thinking about the... It's more like, what, is, what, what drink reflects your personality and not just what yeah. you like, not what you think you could be. So I feel... Champagne is a really moment of celebration. Like nobody drinks champagne if they are like uh, depressed with lights. And then, but maybe yes, but I think they, they would choose a different alcoholic beverage for that. I would. So I feel the celebratory moment. I have this huge energy, this huge optimism for life. I always look at the bright side of things. I believe it's the only way to change things. Like if you don't believe there is a way to change, you should not even start. So I really believe there is a way. We are in a really tough position on sustainability, on so many issues, but I believe there is a way to do it. That's why I met Endeavor, right? So champagne really defines me in a good spirit. 
you see how much your alcoholic associations can tell about <laughs> your personality. But I can totally sense your energy and your optimism. It's just a fuel for your internal battery that makes you last, make you persevere in different environments. Camilla, thank you for being with me today. Thank you for sharing your energy, for sharing your aspirations, <laughs> for sharing your experience. Thank you so much, Olga. It was a huge pleasure and I hope everybody that listens enjoy. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The J-Curve. It was such a pleasure to have Camilla as my guest. To learn more about Endeavor, go to endeavor.org.br. And to hear more from us, check out our website at www.thejcurve.com. Subscribe to The J-Curve on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Or follow me on Instagram at Olga Maslikova with KH. Thank you for being with me today.